Hello, and welcome to the Tao Te Ching for Everyday Living. I'm your host, Dan Casas-Murray. This podcast is for the Tao curious, those looking for a random bit of wisdom once in a while, or for those who want to dive into this wonderful teaching. I've been studying the Tao Te Ching for just short of a year now, and have reconnected with a natural feeling of inner peace and contentment. I don't hold a doctorate, nor am I qualified to teach anything about the Tao Te Ching. I'm just an ordinary person who has experienced the wonderful side effects of following the Tao. Since everyone's experience with this wisdom is different, the only thing that I can hope for is that mine helps you to connect with a Tao in your own unique, personal way. Feel free to listen to each episode a day at a time, or anytime you need a quick Tao shot. You can listen while you're on your way to work, or after that, when you're winding down. It's always a good time to observe the Tao. In each episode, we'll do four things. One, we'll read a verse of the Tao Te Ching. Two, I'll break it down into everyday language. Three, I'll share my own thoughts and experience. And four, I'll leave you with a couple of the many ways you can put the Tao into practice for yourself. That's pretty much how I've been practicing the Tao every day. By listening to Lao Tzu, reflecting on his words of wisdom, listening to other comments, and trying to practice them in everyday life. Thanks for joining me today and enjoy this episode of the Tao Te Ching for Everyday Living. Verse 26, Practicing Grounded Stillness Gravity is the root of lightness, stillness the ruler of movement. Therefore, a wise prince, marching the whole day, does not go far from his baggage wagons. Although he may have brilliant prospects to look at, he quietly remains in his proper place, indifferent to them. How should the lord of a myriad chariots carry himself lightly before the kingdom? If he does act lightly, he has lost his root of gravity. If he proceeds to active movement, he will lose his throne. That's verse 26 of the Tao Te Ching, translated by James Legg. Next, let's break it down. This verse has three parts to it, and we'll take each part one idea at a time. Part 1 talks about the principles of groundedness and stillness. Part 2 talks about staying with the baggage cart. And part three talks about a lifetime practice. Okay, so in part one, we're talking about the principles of groundedness and stillness. And James Lake translates that gravity is the root of lightness and stillness the ruler of movement. Lao Tzu is classically telling us about duality again, or opposites. So when we're talking about lightness, Lao Tzu kind of means frivolity or basically kind of out there unrooted so to speak right so it's like um grav at least this is this is everything that that all the notes that i was able to compare with all the translations and kind of make sense of this first line and then the second line 
Um, and of course, we'll get more uh, into this in, in the experience section. It was just that I wasn't really sure in the beginning when I'm looking at this. I'm like, gravity is the root of lightness. Okay, I kind of understand maybe. But it's basically, under, the, the idea is that there's basically my center, my density, as opposed to me just kind of being out there and me being um, stimulated by the rest of the world. I still have this inner core, basically. That's that's what we're kind of getting at. And then stillness, being the ruler of movement, is sort of saying that, well, look, if, if you're at rest, then that's the only place from which you can move, actually, right? So, st like, movement starts with stillness, and that's what we're talking about. Okay, so part two says, staying with a baggage cart. Again, sort of a conundrum. What are we talking about? <laughs> um, so he's saying, okay, a wise prince marching the whole day does not go far from his baggage wagons. That doesn't make sense until I read the next part. Although he have may, may have brilliant prospects to look at, he quiet, re, quietly remains. So this kind of ties back into the first part. It says, well, you, there's so many distractions out there. Why don't you just stay with the place where, you know, the baggage wagons are where, where you have all the provisions. It's where you have all your supplies and all that other kind of stuff. Right. So Lao Tzu is saying, well, stay with your center is basically what that means. Despite all the different distractions out there, just stay in your center. Okay. So then part three talks about this lifetime practice. Um, he says, well, you know, if, Basically, it's detrimental to the kingdom if the prince just kind of frivolously goes about and loses his center of, of gravity and, and all that other kind of stuff. So, you, you know, it's not something that, like, I think we can turn on and off. I think we have to continue to practice staying grounded and staying still because our, you know, as manifestations of, of yang, so to speak, um, we're almost by nature always always moving but there's this other part of us that we can acknowledge and that's the end part so it's a practice at least that's how i kind of look at it okay so to wrap that up let's remember that verse 26 has three parts part one talks about the principles of groundedness and stillness part two says stay with the baggage cart or the baggage wagons and part three basically talks about this being a lifetime practice. Okay, so let's put this back together again. I'll read verse 26 one more time. Gravity is the root of lightness, stillness the ruler of movement. Therefore a wise prince, marching the whole day, does not go far from his baggage wagons. Although he may have brilliant prospects to look at, he quietly remains in his proper place, indifferent to them. How should the lord of a myriad chariots carry himself lightly before the kingdom? If he does act lightly, he has lost his root of gravity. If he proceeds to active movement, he will lose his throne. This verse marks the beginning of what Lin Yutang refers to as Book 4, The Source of Power. And so far, we've covered three books, which to me seem like themes we can consider from time to time as we go through the Tao Te Ching. Book 1 was the character of Tao. Book 2 was the lessons of Tao. 
and book three, the, limita- the Imitation of Tao. And according to Lin Yutang, there are seven books. So we're in book four, The Source of Power. And that is what verse 26 begins with. So I'm not going to lie. This verse was a total puzzle to me at first. Baggage wagon? (laughs) I mean, I don't even know what that is, I think. But I could guess. And going around the empire lightly? Again, I can guess, but the whole thing really wasn't hanging together, so I needed to dig in. I read the Lin Yutang verse, and then I went over to Red Pine, which helped a little. And I checked out Charles Johnston too, which resonated a little better. But there were two other sources that really got me to a place where I could start internalizing the message for this verse. One of them you've heard before, Chuang Tzu. We've introduced him a little, courtesy of the Lin Yutang translation. This verse has a nice commentary on it that served as a major clue for me. The basic gist is that the baggage wagons are our centeredness our connection with the Tao, and the sage traveling around all day is our tendency to allow our attentions to wander to the corporeal senses. The other source is one I'll always refer to, and this time it was a great help. It is called the Hua Hu Ching, and I use the version rendered by Brian Walker. There's a lot of debate on the source of the Hua Hu Ching, but it is generally agreed that it is a Taoist text. There are, like the Tao Te Ching, 81 chapters in it, and in the Brian Walker version, a chapter per page. I use it as a companion to the Tao Te Ching. The basic idea in chapter 26 is that there are two kinds of wisdom. One kind is based on experience in the realm of time and space, so that wisdom is confined to that realm. The other kind of wisdom is derived from the source itself, the quantum Tao, if you like. Deepak Chopra calls it the quantum layer and relates that it is wisdom that comes from intuition, but intuition that just sort of pops in there. Like, you know, when you've been thinking about a person and all of a sudden they show up in your life, or when you're confused about a situation and looking for a solution and after a while when you're driving, maybe in the shower, tying your shoes, the answer just pops in there. Or... How about when you're with friends and all of a sudden one of them says something that happens to be directly related to what you're pondering and they have no clue what they just said to you that meant so much. So it was with a couple translations, Shuang Tzu and Brian Walker's Hua Hu Ching, that I was able to internalize the message in this verse today. I shared my process with you just now in the hopes that perhaps you may find a similar method of inquiry that works for you. Okay, so let's now take a look at some of the things that this verse made me think about today when considering practicing grounded stillness. There are three things. Number one is masters of the light and restlessness. Number two is staying grounded and still. And number three, practicing groundedness and stillness. Masters of the Light and Restlessness James Legg translates, Gravity is the root of lightness, stillness the ruler of movement. Employing a bit of dualistic clarity here, we're reading the principles of staying centered, I think. If we look at lightness, we can read this as frivolity. Sort of a sense of irresponsible slipshodness, if you like. 
and gravity. Looking at it through a physics lens, gravity is that which attracts other things to it. So I'm talking about from the point of view of space, not the ground. There's a body or mass that is denser than what is around it. I'm picturing the Earth with the specific amount of mass that attracts other things to it in space. There's this idea of density there. So let's imagine that our centeredness is our gravity. The denser our center is, the more contrast we can apply to things we do that satisfy our corporeal senses. So, for example, let's compare a sense of centeredness and how that feels with being on stage in front of an audience. <laughs> when in front of a lot of people, there's this opposite feeling of centeredness there. Like, everybody's looking at you, and it's really hard to stay centered. When I'm centered, though, I feel solid and whole. When I'm not, I feel kind of out there, and I'm paying attention to things that are external to me. And this can be applied to any other concept that involves feeling centered and paying attention to external things. So I think that's the meaning of the whole gravity is the root of lightness thing. The idea that it all starts with my center, and the center is the place from which everything else originates. Okay, so looking at the next idea, stillness is the ruler of movement. This one seems a little easier to understand now. Movement, the yang, originates from stillness, the yin. Sort of like a tree. Its roots are still and fast in the earth, while its branches and leaves are tied to nothing and are subject to the wind, moving around according to the direction and velocity of it. There's no movement without stillness. Kind of like how we talked about the sounds underneath the sounds before. Stillness is the non-movement underneath the movement. So putting these two ideas together gives me context for the principle that Lao Tzu is discussing in this verse. Grounded or rooted stillness are the places from which I begin. Light movement or aimless frivolity are the places in which I find myself if I allow external things to capture and hold my attention. Staying grounded and still. Sometimes, in meditation, I'll be able to play different roles. In the beginning of my meditations, I'll try my best to observe my breath. I'll be able to keep my attention on this for either a very short amount of time or the whole five minutes, depending on where I'm at emotionally. I should tell you that the times when I'm present the whole time are extremely rare. <laughs> in the next part of my meditation... I'll try my best to become present, like I'll close my eyes and listen to all the sounds that are going on around me. And this helps me to direct my attention away from my thoughts and onto the things that are currently happening around me. I'll find that my thoughts continue to run as I observe, and most of the time, I'll slip into following a thought around. <laughs> when I remember that I'm doing this, I'll try my best to remember to be present. It's those pullback moments that I have where I have an opportunity to observe my thoughts or thought patterns. Having noticed that I've been engaging in my thinking, I can then take a step back and observe them objectively. Sometimes I'll ask myself, what are these thoughts? Are there any patterns here? Do they indicate that I'm obsessing on anything, worried about things, or happy about things? So in these moments, when I can step back and look, I become the observer. 
I'm observing the thoughts that I'm having, and I don't feel the need to engage with them. I'm just watching. Now, something trippy is that sometimes I can observe myself observing those thoughts. (laughs) It's almost as if I connect with the essence that is watching this whole thing play out. That's right. We talked about the sound underneath the sounds and the being underneath the being before, didn't we? It's just like that. I become aware of the part of me that is just watching the whole show. Not all the time, of course. This only happens when I'm able to disengage from everything and I can pay attention. I'm okay with only being able to do this a fraction of the time. I know that if I keep doing it, I keep being patient with myself. I'll be able to get closer to this over time. I think that becoming the observer, whether it's the first one or the second one, maybe the third, fourth, or whatever one, is something we can do to practice not leaving the baggage wagons. Just to review, the second part of this verse says, Therefore a wise prince marching the whole day does not go far from his baggage wagons. Although he may have brilliant prospects to look at, he quietly remains in his proper place indifferent to them. So this is a total metaphor, by the way, and that's what threw me off a bit when reading the verse. I was all, what's a baggage wagon have to do with anything here? That's weird. But it's almost as if we are called to remain detached, yet aware of what's going on around us, which allows us to not get caught up in the moment. I suppose going with the flow and allowing the moment to happen is one thing, Well, getting caught up in the moment means that all of a sudden I'm emotionally engaged in a particular circumstance and therefore start trying to control its outcome. I think in this case, leaving the baggage train would be like leaving observation or presence mode and allowing my own desires and will to try and control whatever it is that's going on. So how to practice this? I don't know about you, but... I find myself leaving the baggage wagons all the time, like any time I'm with people. I find myself whisked away into interaction, which is natural, I think. And what's cool is that most of the time it's fine, except when I become agitated or sense a little agitation, either seemingly good agitation or seemingly bad agitation. If I can remain aware of that, I can reflect on it later. Also, I feel like we can start practicing this whole staying with the wagon thing by ourselves very easily. As I mentioned earlier, I have a meditation practice that works for me, and I have found that it helps me to at least recognize when I'm leaving the wagons. For me, meditation is a wonderful tool, and I'm glad I was open to it when I started. I would encourage you to start keeping by your wagons by considering how meditation might help you remain centered. I feel like there's not really any wrong way to do it, and there are a vast variety of techniques that are available to us on the internet. The most important thing for me is consistent effort. Even if I only practice for a couple minutes per day, I'm still doing it consistently. So is Lao Tzu specifically telling us to meditate here? No, I don't think so. But that's just my take on it. I think you can take the idea. It's practicing whatever I need to practice in order to remain grounded and still, isn't it? Because when I can do that, there's less danger of things going awry, as Lao Tzu describes next in the third part of this verse. (laughs) 
practicing groundedness and stillness with introspection. So it's one thing to try and focus on staying grounded and still. I feel like we've all kind of experienced this state before. When I feel grounded, there's this feeling of centeredness, like contentment. All is well with the world, and I'm okay with being in the present moment. When I feel still, I feel the absence of the need to take action on things, mostly because everything seems to be in its place. Stillness is where I feel like doing nothing is the perfect thing to do. But where it can get challenging, at least for me, is when I recognize that all of a sudden I don't feel that way. <laughs> in that moment, I try my best to get back to center and sometimes that works, but for me, it isn't a tried and true method. I mean, I can remember what it feels like to be grounded, but just because I remember doesn't mean that it actually comes. It's almost like trying to remember a dream. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it's just a wisp of memory that remains. And the harder I try to recall it, the thinner it gets until it disappears. I have learned after some time to adopt two practices that help me stay grounded. One is awareness of when I'm agitated, and the second is practicing acknowledging the agitation, looking for the cause, and then letting it go. So when I'm agitated, it's because someone has done or said something that didn't sit right with me, or a situation I'm in isn't proceeding according to my liking, or I see something that runs counter to my philosophy on life and it's irritating. Politics is a wonderful way to experience agitation. <laughs> My automatic response is to normally separate myself from that person, situation, or thing and see it as the cause of my agitation rather than my reaction to it as the cause of my agitation. This takes some practice, and the more agitated I am with it, the more challenging it is to remember that my reaction to it is what's causing my feelings of unrest. Or as Lao Tzu puts it, making light of my body and the empire. What's cool is that the more I practice being aware of when I'm agitated, the easier it gets to recognize. More of an intuitive thing for me, it's easy now. Anytime I don't feel grounded or still, I'm agitated. <laughs> and at first I was tempted to just call this life. But the more I practiced awareness, the more I was able to take responsibility for my own reactions to things. The second thing I can do to gain groundedness and stillness is to look for the cause of my agitation once I've become aware of it. Certainly, it's easy to say that when so-and-so says this thing, it hurts my feelings. Or when I saw so-and-so do something, it raised my hackles, or I felt like I needed to intervene. Yeah, okay, that's one part of identifying the cause of agitation. But if we can remember that it is our reactions to those things that causes the actual agitation, we can push further into resolution. What I mean is this. I can ask myself why the event or statement made me feel bad. Like a child, asking why the sky is blue and then asking why in response to every subsequent answer, we can do the same to get to the root cause of our reaction. So-and-so said something that agitated me. Why did it agitate? Because it was rude. Why was it rude? Because it hurt my feelings. Why did it hurt my feelings? Because it's not who I am. Why is it important for me to be who I am? 
Well, that's simple. Because I've constructed this image of me that must be right, or else I have nothing to base my reality on. Yo, okay, I understand that maybe this sounds a little crazy. <laughs> Just saying. I get it. I found that while uncomfortable at first, and maybe it sounds a little like going too deep into things, but what I've realized is that by continuing to ask myself why, I eventually run out of answers, and it always comes down to one thing. I am always afraid that I am not enough. Plain and simple. There's different ways to get there, and there's different fears that manifest in different ways. But usually, I've found that that is really what it comes down to. But that hasn't been an automatic thing. In this mode of introspection, I usually come away with a deeper sense of what the real issue is. Invariably, when I'm agitated, it's because something has happened that is not congruent with an image of myself my ego has constructed, and it's distressing. Hence the, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough for who? For what? I'm not good enough for me. Huh. So what I can do is I can challenge this self-image. Is this really the person I am? Or can I be open to changing it based on my growing understanding and experience of myself and the world? It turns out for me that when I challenge my self-images, I find that they are pliant and can easily morph into whatever I need them to be. They can even go away once I've realized that I'm the creator of them. It seems to me that groundedness and stillness are practices. They're always things toward which I strive. And I think it's important to note that for me, when something's happened and I become agitated, there's never any getting back to center. There's only recognition that I'm not there and I must make forward motion to gain it again. So remember, it's never going back. It's always moving forward in the right direction. Let's go ahead and wrap it up now. To summarize my experience with this verse today and considering practicing grounded stillness, I thought about three things. Number one was masters of the light and restlessness. Number two, staying grounded and still. And number three, practicing groundedness and stillness. For the final piece of this episode, let's consider how we can apply the principle of practicing grounded stillness in this verse today. There are three things that we can do. We can consider the roles we play at home. We can consider the roles we play at work. And we can consider the roles we play with friends. I thought that we might take a closer look at some of the roles we assign ourselves and just kind of spend a little time with them. So let's consider the roles we play at home, at work, and with friends. At home, which roles do I fill? Am I the husband? The wife? The head of household? The house dad or house mom? Am I the father? The mother? The sibling? Am I the studious one? The goofy one? The creative one? 
Notice how there are many roles we find ourselves playing. Others in our family may have assigned those roles to us and we may have accepted them. What matters is that we have adopted the roles we play. Now the next question, what does a good spouse look like? What is a good partner? What is a good sibling? What should the creative one do? How should the studious one be? What should the goofy one do? Can we see that based on the roles that we have adopted, there are rules that we follow? That's all I'm asking us to do here is just to become aware of the things that we think we ought to do or to think or to be based on those roles we have assumed. Let's consider work now. At work, what's a good boss look like? How about a good employee? A good coworker? Do you fit any of those roles? Do you find yourself using those images of the model boss, employee, or coworker to justify your actions? A good employee takes initiative, and that's what I was doing. It's not my fault the boss misunderstood it. I was just doing my job. Have you heard this one before? <laughs> if you've been around me, you have, because I know I've said it. <laughs> okay, with friends now. Does a good friend listen? Does a good friend provide advice? Does a good friend do favors for other friends? Are you a good friend? Could we just for a moment ask ourselves, can I set aside the notion of being a good friend and just be a friend? Can I take the relationship moment by moment, trying to stay as present as I can and just go with whatever is called for in that moment? If you're like me, you've got an image to which you refer when thinking about how to be a good whatever your role is, whether it's at family or at work or with friends. So let's pause for a moment and ask ourselves, where did that image come from? Even though it's a part of how I view the world and what I was taught, I can ask myself, is it necessarily true? And if it isn't, would I be open to considering setting aside that image for a moment? Would I be willing to consider that a self-image is just that, an image? Just a self-constructed model that is sometimes useful and sometimes not. So I'll ask you, could you, for just a moment... See the role you're playing as flexible and dependent on what you feel is closest to your center? Could you, for just a moment, see the role you're playing as what you feel is the right thing for you to do instead of what others have defined for you? Can you see that in the moment of groundedness and stillness, you don't need the self-image? and you automatically know what the right next thought or action is. 
If you can stay close to the center, you can stay with the baggage wagons. And we don't have to let other people define our reality for us because we have the tools to do that. We don't need other people to tell us how we feel or what the next right thing is. We automatically know that. So we don't need to assign roles to ourselves. We don't need to adopt roles to ourselves. All we have to do is let go of those self-images that we have constructed and stay close to center. Moving forward, I'd encourage you to use your agitation or your deviations from groundedness and stillness as a tool that helps you practice staying grounded and still. The agitations we experience are like little signposts that help us realize that we're straying a bit. Then, once we can understand that the agitations are usually because a situation doesn't match up to a certain self-image we have, we can take a moment to realize that the self-image was self-created and, while helpful sometimes, can always be changed can always be set aside for the moment until we move forward into that groundedness and stillness that makes life worth living. So let's go ahead and wrap that up today. To consider the principle of practicing grounded stillness, I can consider three things. I can consider the roles I play at home, the roles I play at work, and the roles I play with friends. To close out this episode, I'll leave you with a final reading of verse 26 of the Tao Te Ching, translated by James Lake. Gravity is the root of lightness. Stillness, the ruler of movement. Therefore, a wise prince, marching the whole day, does not go far from his baggage wagons. Although he may have brilliant prospects to look at, he quietly remains in his proper place, indifferent to them. How should the lord of a myriad chariots carry himself lightly before the kingdom? If he does act lightly, he has lost his root of gravity. If he proceeds to active movement, he will lose his throne. Thanks for listening to an episode of the Tao Te Ching for Everyday Living with your host, Dan Casas-Murray. This podcast is for the Tao curious, those looking for a random bit of wisdom once in a while, or for those who want to dive into this wonderful teaching. In each episode, we do four things. One, we read a verse of the Tao Te Ching. Two, we break it down into everyday language. Three, we discuss my own thoughts and experience with the Tao. And four, we look at a couple of the many ways you can put the Tao into practice for yourself. That's pretty much how I've been practicing the Tao every day. By listening to Lao Tzu, reflecting on his words of wisdom, listening to other comments, and trying to practice them in everyday life. I'm pretty sure that as I learn about and experience more of the Tao, all my thoughts and lessons will change. I wish the same for you as you grow along your journey. If you found something meaningful in this podcast and would like to discuss it with others, I'd like to encourage you to subscribe to the subreddit Taoism. That's reddit.com slash r slash Taoism. Also, I'd invite you to share this podcast with friends 
if you think it would benefit them. As always, I wish you love, compassion, and peace. Thanks for listening.